We are the Matea Group of Keller Williams Realty. We enjoy the diverse community that we serve and the lifestyle that Maine has to offer. We'll be talking all things real estate and Maine. Welcome to the Maine Real Estate Show. Welcome everyone to the Maine Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Jeff Matea of Keller Williams Realty, the Matea Group. My co-host to my left, Harrison Smith. How are you, Harrison? How are we doing, Jeff? Good. Good. Yeah. I mean, man, I'm tired. This market, <laughs> it's like you're always like coming and going and, uh, you know, sometimes don't even know what town I'm in, uh, showing property, uh, pulling, you know, MLS data. Luckily we have the, the support of the team, you know, CMAs are already prepared or the, you know, the paperwork is, and just, you know, run gun, go, 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 uh, listing appointments to writing buyer offers to negotiating contracts, heading to inspections, appraisals. It's like, Thankfully for Google Calendar, we're yeah. uh, on top of things. So yeah, it's a, it's it's hard to keep track of all the comings and goings. But yeah. and then before we started recording here, you're you're actually talking to a client. A lot of questions around, you know, right. what should I do? How should I approach it? You know, the timing right. of that conversation was right. perfect because you know today is our yeah. is our monthly state of the market show. Where we'll dive into that stuff. And that's the thing is just you know fitting everything into that you know free five minutes if you have you know and you've caught me in the drive through a few times making calls and uh, then yeah a few maybe a few this week um and it's what only thursday um is yeah you know you have um the buyers are out it's the spring market is here we saw the weather warm up it got chilly yet uh april school vacation kind of seems like easter and april school vacation kind of seems like that you know spring market has arrived and people put their home on the market because the grass is green and uh, a little nicer out so they can get those projects that you know, they had to uncover some stuff that was in the, under the snow before, um, you know, put the mulch out and pretty things up. And then the buyers are certainly getting pre-qualified and uh, our, our lovely guest, Skylar Welch uh, from Main Point Lending will tell us more. I'm sure it just seems that there's more buyers out there. The listings, not so much. It's up. Sure. From, you know, a few weeks ago. From like, yet it's, it's up from a historic low. Right, right, right. Yeah. Still at an all time low. I think down 43%. Yep. It's just, you know, the same, the same handful of buyers want the same three to five homes, right? So yeah. you, you know, still have the 15, 20 offers on properties. And that's the thing, right? You caught me on the phone talking to a buyer. What's the strategy? Do you come in and try to close, you know, see if we can put this under contract before the open house? You know, we know there's other showings right. and, you know, everybody else wants to do the same thing. We don't want to wait. We want to buy this house. We want to know this is the one. Right. Let's put it together. Yep. And what a, what a buyer really wants is, you know, somebody to bang the gavel and say it's yours yeah. and take it off the market. Right, and that's right. the hard part right now is that sellers know if they wait a little bit longer, they may get more offers, more activity right. may come. Right. You know, it's definitely challenging. And that's why I think this show right now, as this market really does begin to shift back a little bit is well-timed because the questions sure. and, the, and the discussions are definitely focused on what on earth should I be doing right now? <laughs> yeah. Um, staying on top of the market, yep. talking to your realtor, have a local lender, pay attention to what's going on and be ready to act. The market is creating the urgency. Absolutely. We talked about that before we thought it would settle down and now it's like, Oh crap, you know, and then interest rates may drop and you know, that's going to just send another flurry of buyers. in. I'm, I'm guessing. Um, but uh, yeah, let's move on to our, our wonderful guest, Skylar Welch of main point lending. Hey, Skylar. Hey guys, how are you today? Oh, Great. Awesome. How about, uh, it's hard out there. Right. <laughs> How was uh, how was the uh, interest rates uh, today, and what you know what are buyers thinking? Yeah, I mean, I think that the the biggest thing is that there's so much uncertainty with the interest rates, and honestly, some days we are seeing five price changes a day. With wow. you know, you know, I could quote a rate in the morning, and it could be lower in the afternoon, it could be higher in the afternoon. So the important thing is that you're working with someone that's really keeping on top of that because there's so many price changes, but 
we really need to kind of keep that mentality that rates aren't going to stay like here forever. And right now, um, we're getting calls and, and people saying things all the time, like, well, I'm going to wait for rates to drop. I'm going to wait for rates to drop, <laughs> right? But guess what? Everyone in America is waiting for rates to drop. And when rates drop, the prices are going to skyrocket and people are not going to be at offering 10,000 over. They're going to be offering a hundred thousand over because now they feel like their borrowing ability is a little bit better. So yeah, as a lender, as an agent, as a borrower, you have to really have that mindset of would you more, would you rather pay a little bit of a higher interest rate right now, get into the home. And as long as you feel confident and feel okay with where that payment is, it's only going to get better from there. Or would you rather wait until everybody is waiting and pay a hundred thousand dollars over that price that you could have just gotten it a hundred thousand less three months ago, four months ago, and don't have an opportunity to refinance down. And that's your, you've overpaid. So that's kind of the mentality that we need to have a little bit more of right now is just that rates are going to get better. And the reason we know that is because everyone is trying to get inflation under control. Inflation has gone down a little bit this month, which when inflation goes down, the bonds get better, rates get better, right? So that's what we're working on. And we know that the um, inflation has gotten a little bit better uh, this month. It's still higher than that national average, but it is better, which just means we're going to start seeing those rates trending downward. And I'm in a lot of, um, I would say, social circles of the people that predict what's going to happen with the interest rates. And everyone that is that does that for a living and, and does it accurately is saying that we should expect it by the end of this year. You know, nothing is guaranteed. You never know what's going to happen, but rates are predicted to drop by the end of this year. And everyone is saying that by 2024, 2025 is going to make the refi boom of 2020 and 2021 look like peanuts, right? Because the people that were refinancing in 2020 and 2021 had rates in the fours right? So it wasn't that big of a deal, but the people that are buying now have rates into the high sixes, even sevens. So if rates drop down to the fives, it's going to be a huge deal, right? So those are things we kind of all have to keep in mind is that, you know, we have to go with the flow. You have to kind of go with where it is. And if you can get a property now, it can only get better from here. Your payments can't get any worse. Right. That's exactly right. I mean, and that's the thing is in, in sales, right? There's always the focus on the payments or whatever. Now it's that focuses on the interest rate and it's just blowing people away. I get that they don't have as much purchasing power at a high interest rate. The media has just done a remarkable job of squashing. And I mean, I get, I get the, the Fed's trying to do the same thing as limit the consumer consuming. Right. right. At the same time, it's like, do you need a house? Yes. Does this check off most of the boxes? Yes. Buy it. Right. Are you already, you can refinance are you later. You can work out something like just, right. and we always talked before five, six years ago, people had no idea what their interest rate was. They just no. bought a house. And you know, if it was getting it close then, right. And we've joked about this Skylar too is, well, then you'd say, well, don't go out to eat as often or, you know, yeah. three less times a, a month and don't go get that Starbucks. Don't get no coffee every day exactly. and you can make this work. Yeah. And people did. And now it's just right for the time being focus on the house. And we'll worry about the rate later. Yeah. As long as you can afford it, you're not overextending yourself. You're fine. Right. Because people got you, people saw those twos, right? People saw rates with the two and the three. And now that's the expectation sure. that everyone's always going to have a rate with the two and three. That's not realistic. And even when rates do drop, they're not predicted to maybe ever go back to the twos and threes. You know, we were right. in a global pandemic, right? Like, Let's hope that doesn't happen again. Uh, the real, the reality of it is, is that rates are going to drop into the fives, right? Like 
high fours if we're lucky, high fours, low fives, that's a good safe place to be, right? That's not creating that, um, I would say that craziness and in fear that people have, but it also gives people kind of a, a place to move up and down from, but it also keeps things steady. You're not giving that money away, right? So sure. it keeps a stable, a stable market. Yeah. Well, you, you bring up a good point. We've talked about this many times is, you know, with the, with consumer credit, you buy based on the payment, the payment's driven by a couple of things. It's the mm -hmm. price or the rate. Right. Um, and they don't often move the same direction to each other, but there are times when you kind of hit that sweet spot where you can get the best of both worlds. And that's, I think people think that we're going to see prices freeze and rates go back to three and it's not realistic. No, yeah. We're going to see rates come down a little bit. Pricing should stabilize, but affordability isn't gone. And I think that's the fear sure. is that people think, well, I've been priced out of the market. You, you really haven't because as we've said a million times, and it's a phrase we're all, we are all tired of hearing, you know, marry the house, date the rate. You know, if you find the right house and it works right now, great, because there's always the option down the road, if it gets better to go back and refinance it and be in a better spot. Exactly. So that's why oh, whenever I'm pre-qualifying someone, the very first question I ask them is what's a comfortable monthly payment for you? I'm not going yeah. to tell them anything. I'm not going to tell them what their max is until I hear what that is, right? Because if I say, if someone tells me their max, their absolute max is $2,000 a month, right? And then I go to them and say, you're pre-qualified up to $750,000. They get in their head like, oh my God, I can go buy that $750,000 house. Like, let's sure. go. Yep. But right. they just told me that their max, their max payment they feel comfortable with is, is $2,000. So we're going to go back and say, okay, well, maybe you want to be in that 450 range. Like, what are you looking at for, for towns? Like, what are the property taxes? You know, because people have to think a lot about that because, you know, if they're looking in Portland or they're looking in Buxton or Arundel, every place is going to have a different mill rate, which a 550 house in Portland is going to have a different monthly payment than a 550 house in, you know, gray, you know, so you have to, we have to think about those things when we're pre-qualifying people and ask the right questions. Cause if you just send someone out with a letter that says they're pre-qualified up to $750,000, they give that to the agent. The agent gets excited. Like, yeah, we're going to get this. They go under contract and then they come back and they see their loan estimate costs them $3,900 a month. They're like, I can't afford that. And they're like, well, you know, so have to make sure that, that they're being asked the right questions and they're preparing them for success. So the agents aren't wasting their time. The borrowers aren't getting hopes and dreams that aren't going to ever be accomplished. And, you know, everybody's on the same page with everything. Yeah. That might be the first time I've actually heard somebody from the mortgage side actually say, I asked the question of where they want to be before I tell them where they could be. Yeah. Because yeah. that's a great point. And we've said this a few times, you know, you have to, you, you have to buy the house, not just on the payment of the house, but on that whole household budget. Correct. And you're hitting at, they need to figure that out first before they start shopping for the house. Exactly. Because so, I mean, I can't tell you how many people call me and they're like, yeah, but I want, I want to buy a $300,000 house. That's what I'm doing. And I'm like, well, what's dictating that? You know, like, why do you think yeah. it's a, th well, that's kind of what the houses are that I see that I like. I'm like, all right, well, where do you want your payment? Well, no higher than a thousand dollars, like no way. And I'm like, well, then you can't get a $300,000 help, right? So we have to set those realistic expectations from the beginning. And as a buyer, those are the things you need to ask. Because a lot of times I'll ask that question that people have no idea, right? They haven't even had that conversation with their spouse. They haven't even had that conversation with themselves of where they feel comfortable, right? They're like, well, that doesn't matter. I want to buy. What, what is my max? But when we're looking at a max, like we're not taking into consideration so many things, right? Like a lender doesn't look at childcare expenses. A lender doesn't look at heat, electricity, food, gas, fuel, like all of these things that, and we're also looking at your gross income, right? Like 
the reality is you're probably making half of that. So all of those things have to be taken in consideration when you as a buyer is, is considering where you want your payment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, speaking of that payment, you know, now we're starting to see it or they're coming back to life more as the, uh, you know, lower money down. Um, but that's for everybody. I mean, there's even 5% conventional that I see. Yeah. Even 3% conventional. 3% conventional. Yeah. yeah. So you, you I mean you have, you kind of have that niche now, right. Of, you know, let's not borrow as much if we can still afford the payment. Correct. And, and a lot of, people, can you tell us about that? Yeah, definitely. So we, we do a lot of, um, 1%, a, a lot of 3% conventional, uh, Wednesday, what was that yesterday? Yesterday we rolled out a conventional 1% down product. 1%. So with the lender gifting up to 2%, 2% or up to $4,000. But the thing with that is it's not for everybody. There are income limits, right? Yeah. And the income limits for the, for the 1% are limited. You know, in this area, it's like $50,000. Granted, some people that, that would fit, right? But you have to think of the right demographic for that. Like, are you a single like bachelor that just graduated college? You want to get into your first house? You just land your first job and your salary is 50,000? Perfect, right? Firefighters, a lot of firefighters make around 50, 45, 48, 50,000 dollars. Perfect, right? Like a single mom that works at a wherever, perfect, right? But it's not going to be a fit for everybody. And, but it's an option. And if you don't qualify for the 1%, you probably are definitely going to qualify for the 3%, which is also a great option. Uh, there used to be a lot of what are called loan level pricing adjustments for the 3% product, making it not as appealing, meaning uh, they would kind of jack the rate up if the credit was a little bit lower um, and because there was only 3% down. Well, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac took away those loan level pricing adjustments, which makes that conventional 3% more appealing. So I, as a lender, I look at the full picture and I'm like, I don't just say, if someone comes to me and says, hey, I'm looking for an FHA loan, I'm not going to say, okay, because I'm not an order taker, right? If I look at their file and I'm like, you have perfect credit, you have inc- you have good income, like you're buying this situation, I'm not putting them in an FHA loan, right? I'm going to say, hey, we have a conventional 3% or a conventional 5%. They're going to be better options. You're going to have a lower rate. You're going to have lower PMI. And you're not going to have the stipulations of an FHA loan, right? Mm-hmm. So I look at that full picture. I used to be like, uh, FHA is probably better if your credit is not picture perfect and all this. But I don't have to do that anymore because they took those pricing adjustments away. So that conventional 3% is a really good option. The criteria of that is they either have to make the 80% median income limit, which is usually, I would say, sixty-eight dollars to $80,000 for the household, or one of them has to be a first-time home buyer. So if one of the borrowers is a first-time home buyer, they don't have to meet that requirement of the um, income limit. That's great. So it's, it's great. Yeah. And we're doing a lot of them. And I would say even as a real estate agent or as a consumer, if you've been a person who's been shopping FHA, shopping FHA, shopping FHA, and not going under contract because of either the condition of the house or being more competitive against a conventional offer, relook at your qualifications, right? Like I would, I would go through like my client base, like, Hey, who was I pre-qualified as an FHA buyer? Can we get them into this conventional 3%? That's going to make them just that little bit stronger and maybe have a more option for more uh, for more houses, right? With And have a bit better um, inventory and be a little bit more competitive. 
Yeah. And you also mentioned you've got some, there's been some changes in new construction as well, because we have a lot of people that yeah. maybe can't find the inventory they want, they'd like to build, but some construction products are really difficult to get into. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I would say that's what I'm most excited about is, and it's honestly a product I've been like begging for, for years. <laughs> um, because the thing is, what is our struggle? Inventory, right? We're serious, serious inventory issues. So every day I get multiple calls. Hey, I want to buy, a, I want to build a house. I want to build a house. Okay. Well, Will your builder do a turnkey loan or do you have 20% to put down, right? Like those are kind of the options um, because a traditional construction loan normally requires 20% or a turnkey loan, the builder has to finance it. Not a lot of builders want to do that anymore. So we just rolled out a conventional 5% down where it's a one-time close at the beginning of the process. Uh, and then there's disbursements throughout. So the builder is getting the financing but the consumer only has to put 5% down. Normally they'd have to put 20%, which was kind of pigeonholing, right? So if you don't have 20%, sorry, you can't build. Now they can do both, right? Now they can put 5% down and do a traditional construction loan, which now opens them up to being able to have a lot more options for builders because a lot of builders weren't doing turnkey. Well, now we can do the traditional with that. But even better than that is we also just rolled out a VA one-time close with no money down for veterans. I work with a ton of that. I'm the only vetted VA professional in New England. So I do a lot of VA loans. And that's probably my biggest question for veterans is them asking if we have a one-time closed construction product. And now we do. So hmm. it's the same same process as the conventional one. Um, closes at the beginning, disbursements throughout. It's an, Both of them are interest-only loans during the construction period. And then they'll convert over into a 30-year fixed but the best part about it is if the rate is lower at the time of completion, it automatically floats down to that lower rate. That's a real, oh, wow. so it's, but if the rates were higher, you're already locked in. So that's a huge, huge advantage of this product is that they, because especially right now, if they start building now, rates are supposed to be lower, you know, when, when they close. So they can automatically float down to that lower rate during the construction period there's a little hit to the rate that's a little bit higher during the interest only, but then it will flow down. So yeah, it's, it, our goal is to, as brokers, is we want to give agents and buyers as many resources as we can, right? Like more tools you have in your tool belt, the more people you can get under contract, the more options that they have, right? So if someone says like, it's, they need credit help. Great. We have a great credit repair company. If they say they need, um, you know, they need a bank statement loan. Great. We have those options. Oh, we have investment products, whatever they are, right? Like we're constantly looking for more options to give more people an opportunity to buy. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, to have all those products at yeah. your disposal and to, you know, not just push one, right? Oh, this one's going to pay me more. No, it's yeah. what's it's best for the, uh, the consumer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, on average, I mean, are you seeing the, the number of pre-approvals, pre-qualifications is much higher uh, than this time last year? I think it's much higher than this time last year. Um, to, but I think like I had, I came in this morning when I left last night, between when I left last night at six and came in this morning, I had nine new filled out applications for nine new buyers in a few hours. But I, I was actually looking at my, kind of at my numbers of who in the last like 20 days or yeah, beginning of the month, I've had just over 50 people apply for mortgages. Zero of them have gone under contract, 
Well, yeah. That's what's frustrating. Yep. They're, it's not that they're not making offers and it's not that they're not qualified. They're extremely qualified. And right. I think that that's the frustrating part. Um, right now is that everybody's getting like stressed and frustrated and like where we may be running 15 different properties at three different purchase prices and they're making competitive offers, right? Like competitive offers and it's still hard, right? So you have to ask yourself and work with an agent and a lender that are like, how can I make this more competitive? Right? So, you know, in the last 24 hours, I've had seven loans clear to close and the la the longest one took 16 days. So that's another way of being more competitive, right? Like how quickly can, can your lender get this closed, right? Like the one I got today was clear to close in seven days. So if you're competing against cash and you say, Hey, I can't, I mean, I'm even writing out of the letters because reality full approval in 24 hours and three week close, two week close, whatever, whatever makes it, you know, kids are competing against cash and they're like, yeah, we need a 45 day close, but it's cash. Well, let's get financing in six, six days, you know, wh whatever the case may be, um, just other ways. And, and a seller will feel better about things. If you're like, yeah, I can have that fully approved for you in 24 hours, 16 hours, whatever the case may be, rather than, you know, some people are like, yeah, two week turn time, five day turn. It just eases them. It makes it a little bit more competitive in that situation. Yeah. And that's actually a really great segue to start to dive into the market for buyers right now, because that what you're talking about, Skylar, is a big piece of what we're seeing in the marketplace. So to kind of flip to you here for a minute, Jeff, mm -hmm. you know, that, that financing, you know, we always, we always talk about, you know, first step needs to be figure get your finances in order, go through that process. Mm -hmm. um, but in your, in your opinion, as a buyer, does the type of financing and the lender you're using, how critical is that right now? Uh, well, the lender must most especially, um, you know, you see pre-approval letters come through and you're like, Who, who's that? Or hey, like, you just, it, like I just told the folks on the phone that you heard is a seller wants to know with certainty it's going to close. Mm -hmm. That's where they start from. And then it's, are there any contingencies? And if there are, what's the time frame? Like how soon am I going to know this is a done deal? Cause I want to know, can I pack or, you know, can I move mom and dad's stuff out or I don't have to do anything after this, right? Like we just sign and then we wait for our check, mm -hmm. uh, is, is ideal. Um, I, I, you know, I think the type of financing, it, it all depends on the lender, but there are some products where maybe sellers or their real estate agents who maybe not um, as strong in the market or keen on the product may shy away from certain products. Mm -hmm. um, but with that has come the, you know, 3% down conventional, right? You know, so, you know, you're, you're, parents, grandparents were so used to the 20% down mm -hmm. that that's kind of gone away that there has been the three, the five, the 10%. And so I think sellers in the marketplace are getting more accustomed to as long as the listing agent delivers it to the seller the right way. Well, right. Mr. Mrs. Seller, because money's so cheap to borrow like a VA loan, I, I've had people say hundred percent financing. Well, right. The, the, the United States government and working with lenders rewards our servicemen and women for their service to our country. They may have money. Right. And they and just choose to borrow right. all of it. And as long as they can make the right. payment, what matters at the end of the day is, are you getting the purchase price you want? And is it going to close? Right. Otherwise, I don't care what someone's putting down for money. 
into I, I would choose to do FHA loan at three and a half percent if yeah. you could buy every property and investment property at three and a half percent all day long. Exactly. It's just right. And Skylar can probably point to that. VA one is it it bothers me so much because um so many VA buyers are not getting accepted, but then they'll accept a conventional three percent. Right. That's the truth of it. A conventional three percent borrower, just the reality, first time home buyer. Thin work history usually because they're you know first time home buyer fresh out of the fresh out of college whatever right probably borrowing the three percent of money from their parents and doesn't have a lot of credit history because they're they're new right they're first time home buyers a veteran has guaranteed income usually you know they are getting guaranteed mm -hmm. fixed income they have their retirement accounts all set up this may be their first second third fourth VA loan that they have they sure. have their extreme normally extremely organized extremely diligent extremely you know they are the strongest yep. buyers not to mention the va loan is the most forgiving of credit score allows for the highest debt to income ratio allows for the most lenient with underwriting it is literally the strongest loan out there with mm -hmm. also having the lowest interest rate no pmi all of these things like that borrower has earned the right to have that right so yep. it's all about the education piece like educating them that they, they have a heck of a lot more money than the conventional 3% down program. I'll tell you that, you know, but yeah. really say that, but that's what I'd like to say to people is that just seeing hundred percent financing VA loan doesn't have anything to do with their ability. It just right. simply is that they've earned the right to have this loan program. And, you know, I, I do believe as an agent, you have to be sure that the property qualifies because that's the one hang up with the VA loan. If you're going to accept a v conventional versus sure. VA, if the property has a lot of peeling pain and has some safety and hazard concerns and go with the conventional, right? But if there are no hesitations with that, uh, you know, with the condition of the property, that VA borrower is guaranteed stronger than that conventional 3% borrower. Yeah. So there, well, there needs to be more education around like whether it's CU classes or just even in the sales agent training course, because there's a couple of different ones and it's just the perception, right? The market, the media, other agents have just, kind of hammer this home or for whatever reason, you know, just like I had, I can give two different examples. One, um, my seller presenting an offer, they didn't like that the um, buyer was wanted seller to pay closing costs. At the end of the day, ma'am, it doesn't matter because it's purchase price minus the closing costs. Your proceeds is still a number. Mm -hmm. They're just choosing to finance their closing costs because they can. Or, right, maybe they're saving some money that they do have in the bank because they want to put it into improvements once right. it's their home. You've got to, like, think like the buyer here. At the end of the day, are you getting the net proceeds that you want? Mm -hmm. Yes or no, right? And so there's that. Then on the flip side, as a representing buyers, because I can't guarantee that a, a listing agent will present this well to the seller on a VA loan or even like a lower money down loan. I have them come in with much stronger earnest money to say, I have it. Me too. Just choosing not to. Right. I, I don't, I'd rather borrow it all at, at five, six, 7%. Like who, who cares? I can make the payment. I'm pre-qualified for this purchase price and this payment. No questions asked. You're going to get your number. It doesn't matter what loan I choose. Right. And it, it the, the program is not necessarily like income specific in many cases. People, People yeah. realize that I can borrow money at five percent or go invested at eight. I'd rather keep yeah. more of it invested at eight than borrow sure. and, and borrow more at five. And it it makes a lot of sense to their financial picture to maybe go with a lower down payment loan. But right. I think the point you're trying to make, Skylar, is whether they're coming in with a VA, a three percent, a five percent, yeah. a twenty percent down loan, 
it doesn't the, the loan's not worse because the down payment amounts are different. It's right. the same package. Yeah. Yeah, they have a debt to income ratio and a and a minimum credit score to qualify for that product. And it doesn't take any longer to close a VA loan. It doesn't take any longer to close an FHA loan. It's not any, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that, and those are the things you have to keep in mind. Like if someone's putting 20% down, someone's putting 3% down, it's the same process, right? Like it, sure. it doesn't matter. And, and that's where people get hung up a lot. It's like, oh gosh, this person is doing 3%, this person's doing percent, but it's exactly the same. Who cares? You know, I think, I think it's in the market. It's just like, experience matters. And especially in the skilled market, we have to remind the consumer that who you list your home with, who you work with as a buyer agent matters just as much as who the lender is that's representing the loan, the program for the buyer for your home. Um, because there's folks that don't know their products as well as Skylar. Um, there's folks that just don't know, don't have the relationships. But then again, it's also certain lenders and, and financial institutions that have better relationships with appraisers and right. et cetera. So, I mean, I've made offers where Skylar's picked up the phone and called the listing agent to say this, they're set there. So that provides that extra level of certainty that this yeah. is going to close. That's what sellers are looking for. Right, but yes. I want to, I want a number, but I also want to know it's going to close. Right. You can just throw something out at me and you can't close. So what does it matter? Right. Exactly. <laughs> totally true. So you, you earn that. Like, I've been in this market a long time. So people know, like, if I call a listing agent, they're going to be like, oh, hey, Sky. You know what I mean? It's not like they're like, who is this 1-800 number? And do I believe them? Right? You, It takes time to earn a reputation where, like, if I tell you it's going to close, like, you'll hear from me a lot that I'm going to tell you throughout the process, but you're also going to know that it's going to be clear to close in two weeks. And you can sit back for the next 30 days and wait for it to close. Right? So it's all part of that. And it makes, it, it makes all the difference. And, and it makes all the difference with the agents. It makes all, and even when you said about the appraisals, like we work with a local appraisal management company. I can't tell you how many, like I'd, I'll get calls from people being like, I was working with this out of state lender and they couldn't get an appraisal for eight weeks. And I'm like, I'm like, we yeah, haven't had an appraisal <laughs> take over 10 days, 10 days in like a year or more. You know what I mean? Like yeah. things yeah. are, work with a local appraisal management company where I can pick up the phone and be like, Hey, Bob, get an appraiser to go do it. Right. Like that's, that's the thing. And it's, it makes a difference. And it's just a matter of like so many of these places, these 1-800 type numbers or big box companies are literally order takers. They could have been working at McDonald's last week, right? They re the reality is they could have been, their job is to make a sale. They're not looking at the consumer as where what is the best option for them they're like oh you'd like an fha loan let me put you into that for you you know that's mm. the difference mm. that may not be their best option i i was had a call yes uh this week actually i'm working with them under contract now their lender was caught charging them over nine thousand dollars in in origination fees process wow. underwriting fees and luckily i i knew their old agent in florida and she's like Hey, Skylar, you're up in Maine, right? I have a buyer that used to have a house here and they just sent me their loan estimate and they're getting charged over 9,000. The borrower had no idea. I not only got them a lower rate, but none of those fees, right? So people are, just don't know what they don't know. They've just like, oh yeah, I'll get you this rate. And it's costing $6,000 for that rate. It, it's ridiculous. And people just don't know. I just had one this morning and they sent it over to me and they're like, Yep, I'm getting this. No points. Can you beat this? I look at the rate. I'm like, you do realize you're paying 
$4,800 for this rate. And she's like, wow. oh, no, they told me it was no points. I'm like, they're just calling it origination costs, which it is, but that's points. You don't have to yeah, pay that. It's costing you. Right, exactly. <laughs> You're paying for it. Yeah, You yeah. bought that right. Yeah. You know, there's $800 in fees here that you wouldn't have working with me. You know, and people just don't know what they don't know. But also, if someone says, yep, I'm under contract with an FHA loan. I'm going through with this. And I look and I'm like, you have a 780 credit score. And you're buying this single family like that, that's all these things. And they're like, I was like, why? And they're like, well, they told me I either had to do FHA or conventional 20%. I'm like, because those are the only products they have, right? That's the thing. It's like, you don't, you don't, don't have, I'm not trying to fit someone in a box, right? Like I'm not trying to stuff them in some box to fit my criteria. It's more like, how can we find what's the best option for you? And as a consumer, it's important to know your options. Yeah. Yeah. So as, as a buyer right now, um, obviously you've got, you know, we were talking to buyers earlier about, you know, how to present the offer, how to be strategic and, and try to put yourself in the best position. But in terms of multiple offers over asking price, you know, we've been in that cycle now for a couple of years, things got a little quieter there for a bit, but it seems like we're back to seeing a lot of multiple yeah, offers and back. over asking price. It's back. It's back. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely back. And, uh, yeah, it's stressful. Um, you know, because you know, you, it's like a guessing game too. I mean, you heard that call earlier, yeah, yeah. like, do you present your best offer right out of the gate? Do you kind of ease into it in hopes that they call you back? Um, oddly, you know, different states have different processes and in Maine, you know, there's agents that just like, I assume that was your best offer and they just go, they don't, might not come back to two to three, four people and say, well, you're awfully close. Is there anything you want to do one last time? And just to try to feel it out. Um, so yeah, other states, apparently it's like you can make an offer and then they kind of go back and rally up a few more and, you can keep bidding until they pick one. Um, and it's then like buying on eBay. And the, yeah. And then there's <laughs> kind of that, that sealed bid. And then there's the in-between where main, you know, maybe you go back to a couple or you, you know, have an offer deadline, but you can accept an offer before, or you can wait till the deadline and still kind of let showings happen. Um, it's not the wild west uh, yet. It sometimes feels like, geez, you know, how do you secure this property and don't cause your buyer to grossly overpay? Mm -hmm. They still want a home and they don't know that another one will come on. Is this the right, you know, yeah. time to go for it? Do they wait? If they wait, uh, then, you know, interest rates could go all over, who knows, and or prices could go up. Um, so they don't want to miss out. So it's, you know, that creating that urgency and just putting your best foot forward. So is there a, is there a particular strategy you find is working better right now, or is it really dependent on the, on the person and the property? It's pers person and property dependent. Um, I think it's, at times I've had the upper hand in just the communication level where I um, make sure that I communicate with the lender. So the lender is also talking to the listing agent. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm just making sure that the expectations are set. Do you, do you really want this property? Would you be disappointed or would you be devastated? So mm -hmm. we better come in guns blazing and not just on price because I've actually won a number of offers where it was, we weren't the most, we weren't the highest offer price. Um, and I also had a contingency, not just on inspection. I, we had to oh, sell some properties. Okay. Um, but I worked some magic and, um, connected with the agent explains why our person should get the home. Gotcha. So it, yeah. as we've said many times, the terms of the contract still matter. It's not just yeah. a, it's not just a bidding war. It really right. is back to the word we've been using confidence. It's how confident is the seller it's going to close and close in a yeah. manner that's acceptable to them. Yeah. It's that, yeah. That certainty. Um, and then I, I really, it's a skills market. I think it matters 
immensely who you have on your team on your side looking out to make sure that you get the home okay and so if a buyer were to approach you today and say okay i'm ready to go i've got a pre-approval letter let's do this yeah you know, what does that expectation setting look like right now in terms of what should they expect in terms of showings, turnaround times, be able to write an offer? You know, what does that cycle look like right now? Uh, we should see a house as soon as you can, um, being the, the, that's the best answer. Um, and then, you know, don't go and uh, we want to sleep on it. It's have an idea in mind. You, you already saw this house at what it's listed for. Expect to pay that. You might not have to pay more and be prepared. So I've called uh, inspectors and already set tentative appointments to have the home inspected in a couple of days. Um, So that's all set. Um, So should our offer get accepted, we're ready to go. So we also show, right, we're serious. Uh, Earnest money. What money can you, you know, if you're having a down payment, you know that in the next 30 days you're putting a down payment towards a home. Have that set aside. But also of that, is there a portion that you can do without for an extended period of time that would be held in escrow in a trust account that you don't need it in the next two to three weeks. Cause we want to come in pretty strong. Um, you know, I think it's foolish people putting like thousand dollar earnest money deposits. That's a number that you could walk right. on if you found a better home. Um, to some, maybe that's a lot of money to others. That's nothing. Um, so we're coming in pretty strong on our earnest money. If you do do an inspection, shortening that window, have it set up already. Um, if you can waive inspection, just give it a very thorough look when you're at the property to budget for things that you may need to do. And then keep that in mind when you make your offer, other items that you just have to prepare for. So you don't overextend and then, oh, I've sure. got to put money into this home and I don't want to be upside down or not be able to go out to eat or enjoy myself. Mm-hmm. I'm house poor now. So I just prepare everybody for that. Yep. Um, knowing like, is this where you're, you know, I love to sell homes yet. I don't want you to call me in a year because yeah. you don't like this house. So are you going to stay for three to five years? Can you make the next cycle of 10 to 15? Where are you at in your world? So we're not upside down or in a position where you call me in a year or you don't call me in a year because I caused you to pay more than you should have for a home. Gotcha. So, and you mentioned scheduling inspectors. So, yep. you know, should a buyer at this point in time be expecting that they can get an inspection? We're not back to the days of having to wave everything. Uh, yeah, a majority have gotten inspection in the last like 30 days. Um, you have to consider that depending on the style of home, the age of the home condition, what you see in the disclosure you may consider, and then your financial ability. Can you, can you still afford this home and know, well, it might need a roof in three to five years. Uh, if something happens, you might need it even sooner than that, or the furnaces older and just prepare. It's, it's all just a budget process you know skyler will tell you it's like you look at that monthly payment but you know what percentage of that monthly payment is you know am i able to set aside some money to save for a rainy day or am i putting everything you know now we can't go out to eat or go on vacation because that's my monthly payment i would say the biggest the biggest thing i'm seeing and the biggest question i'm getting pretty much from every person that i'm pre-qualifying is about appraisal gaps so oh yeah you know, that I would say is one of the biggest things is just like explaining what it as an agent, explaining what an appraisal gap is. But then on my side, they want to know like, okay, what does this mean for me with my financing? Right. So if the appraisal were to come in, 
lower than what you're offering because what's happening is a lot of people are offering a lot over asking price. So if they're offering yeah. over asking price, that seller still wants to get what you're offering, right? And if the appraisal were to come in lower, they want to know that you're guaranteeing that you're going to either pay that price or a certain amount in between there. So on my side, what they'll say is like, okay, so what does this mean for me and for my financing? And what I can do on that is they'll say, um, what if, let's say someone's putting 20% down, right? Their debt to income ratio is fine. Like, all right, well, if the appraisal comes in lower, you can still put that same exact money down. It's not going to change anything. But that $10,000 appraisal gap, now maybe it's a 17% down loan instead of a 20% down loan. Still fine. You may have $23 worth of PMI for a, few, for a little, maybe less than a year. Is that worth it for you? You know what I mean? Is that okay? Then you sure. can still keep that same amount of money, right? So we've been doing a lot of that. We've been seeing a lot of that where people are offering the percentage that they, you know, the amount that they feel comfortable with offering, and then just taking into consideration that that could just be part of their down payment, and they may have PMI if it changes their loan to value a little bit. So just another way to thinking of it, because I think a lot of people are like, they're putting 20% down, they don't have any more than that. Who cares, right? They're putting 20% down, they can borrow up to 95%. So you have 15% of appraisal gap, which would be ridiculous for that to even happen but right. you have all of that wiggle room yeah the bar room may have a little bit of pmi for a little bit of time but pmi is lower now like it's not it's not anything crazy anymore so if that's the case you can still keep that deal together the borrowers can still make that appraisal gap offer just with offering yeah we're willing to pay twenty ten thousand dollars appraise up you know you're already putting that down it's not changing your funds to close yeah, so you're just using the same money you're already going to use, just in a slightly different way. Yeah, it's the same thing with making offers, right? Like if someone says, "I want to put a hundred thousand dollars down," and I'm like, hundred thousand dollars is, you know, thirty-two point six percent." Like, cool, that means nothing, right? How about you put ninety-four thousand dollars down and you put six thousand towards points, right? Because every ten thousand dollars is only going to change your payment by about fifty dollars a month. But if you put that two points, let's say it's a 400,000, you put $8,000 towards points, your payment's now $400 less a month, same exact amount of money. We're just reallocating those funds to make more sense for them. Now they qualify higher. Now their payment's $400 less. Now they feel more comfortable making that offer because their payment's $400 less a month. Like what could that mean to you? You know what I mean? So those are the types of conversations that your lender should be having with every single buyer, right? You want to structure in a way, if someone tells me like, that they're putting some odd amount of money down, I'm going to be like, okay, let's, let's make, let's see where this makes most sense and give them those options because that could be a, that could be the difference between making it work and not making it work. Right. That could be the difference of them feeling comfortable making that offer and not feeling comfortable with that offer. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. It's, it's being strategic with how you put the whole package together versus just trying to run the same vanilla Exactly. You know, play or program everybody else has. So to be creative right now, it's hard. It's a hard market and it's hard for buyers and yeah. you have to figure out the ways to be the most competitive that you can. Yeah. yeah agreed. So let's, uh, let's turn the tables a little bit, Jeff, and talk a little bit about the seller side of the, of the market right now. So obviously we've seen multiple offers come back and over asking price and all that, but mm -hmm. in terms of, in terms of the, you know, the timing, a lot of people are saying, well, is now the right time. And also wondering where will I go next? Have the dynamics of those questions changed? Have your answers changed to those? No, no. I mean, now's the time. And I actually had a funny, funny conversation with a, a young lady the other day where um, she said, well, I, I'm just 
trying to decide the timing. It's like, well, the best time to list your house was yesterday. And the next best time is right now. Um, you know, prices are just out of this world. Um, if you look back three, four years ago where homes were, I mean, some people have doubled their money on, oh, yeah. on a, a home that they just painted. Maybe they changed the locks, you know, <laughs> um, that's yeah. about it. Maybe they didn't even do that. Um, it's just wild to think. Right. And then, you know, find a place to go. We still, to this day, 18 years in the business have not had a, a client go homeless. There's a, you know, you just have to look a little bit harder. Um, we're finding off market deals. We're finding, you know, rent owns, we're finding, um, empty homes that people would gladly, um, have you, you know, reside in for a temporary while you look for a home. Um, so we have at our disposal, we're usually the first to know about all of that too. So you just got to let us know what, what you're looking for, where do you need to be? I get it when, and, and the piece too, when we talked about April school vacation, you know, kind of the spring is here, mm-hmm. Easter, a lot of the seasonality of the market is related to school, just sure. like the rental market you're, you're, you're familiar with um, in the property management world is yep. kind of that May and September, April and September yep. or the those shoulders. Months. A lot happens because a majority of the people in the market are impacted based on, well, I don't want to take a kid out of school. It's seen that right. Kids stay in school, do better home life is, you know, yep. less stressful, et cetera. And that's how our world operates. Totally. It, it, you know, and that's why we see May, June, July, August, absolutely wild with maybe a week or two in between in the summer and Maine when it's actually warm and we have summer that it's crazy. Otherwise there's maybe a little bit of a lull, but then it comes back up. People get back from their vacation. They got to get in before September, Labor Day. Yep. Um, so to answer that question, it hasn't changed the, the comments to folks. It's really just now's the time. If you're thinking of selling even in the next three to five years, now's the time. Well, where do I go? There's a home for you. It may not be on the market yet. Or there's folks that would sell. They just don't want to go to market and you don't have to compete. So that's another thing to keep in mind is we do a lot of off-market deals where, yeah, you have to still pay fair market value. Maybe you can get a deal. There's sellers that just don't want a lot of people to come through their home. Sure. They don't want to worry about uh, inspections and all that. Will you pay me what I want for my home? Yes. Okay. I'll sell it to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just bringing buyers and sellers in that matchmaking game um, happens a lot more than people would consider. I think, you know, I don't know the stats. It probably was like 5% years ago. Now I wouldn't be surprised if it's creeping up to like 8 to 10% of the deals. Um, there's probably more than that at the moment. Interesting. Um, I've heard the question a lot lately. You know, the snow's gone yard starting to green up. Should I wait? Because my pool's not open yet and it's green. My mulch beds haven't been done yet. I haven't had a chance to mow the lawn yet. Like are those, are those factors important right now? Is it really just a matter of if this is the path you're going to head down, let's just do it now and let's solve for those pieces later. Yeah. Do it now. Um, people understand that everybody's grass might not be perfectly green, um, but the green's coming and really, you know, um, there's still buyers that are waiving inspections. There's buyers that are overlooking that little odd jobs that you didn't get to because you were busy all winter. We understand they're ready to make the house their own. And there's going to be aspects of it. Like had someone that said they wanted to repaint. I I get it. You could choose a color that they don't like, just freshen up, but don't go and do all that. Someone else is going to repaint this or redo that, pull up the carpet and put wood, hardwood floors in. Um, So you don't know what they like. Um, Let's just make sure that it's presentable. And yes, people will pay a, a premium for a house that's very well cared for, pride of ownership. 
Um, so don't get me wrong there, but to go over the top and spend money that you don't see a return on your investment, is it really not worth it? Okay. Right. There's people that made hundreds of thousands of dollars by just sitting back and maybe they yeah. painted a wall or two. Yeah. Well, in many cases, time, time is, just, your, is your biggest friend there. Right. Right. Yeah. And now is the time. So time's your friends now as well yep. is to get on the market because we don't know when this could come to an end. Yeah. Fair point. So Although I predict fall. Well, I say we'll, end of we'll, August. Yeah, we'll get into that here in a minute yeah. too, because I want to dive into that with Skylar's opinion on that. Yeah. But so, on, lastly, on the on the seller side, and I know sometimes this can be overwhelming. You know, multi, you know, sixty showings and twenty people are seeing those headlines of a bazillion showings and tons of offers. Yeah. Um, how are you helping clients manage through the showing aspect of it? But then also, what are the what are the key pieces of the offers you're looking at to really help them understand which one which one yeah. is the best, which one's most likely to close? Yeah. So managing showings, um, we know that, um, it can be a hassle to come and go from your house and like, you know, what am I, you know, what time is it? I got to be, you know, out of here in 10 minutes and you know, the dog's got to still use the, you know, the bathroom and you know, uh, I got to go for a walk or whatever, but then if I come back too soon then people are, so we set the expectation that we expect your home's going to be very popular. So let's set aside a time. We know that, you know, you get up at this time of day and you get, some dogs and you get your coffee and whatnot. Can you be out of your home by 10? You think you can stay out till four? Uh, what if we did that for two days and we had an open house on the weekends? Does that work? Yeah. But will house be sold? Well, I can't guarantee it. Don't have a crystal ball. My goal is to get the maximum exposure, get the most people through your home in the shortest amount of time, make an offer that's suitable to you. That's the best way to do it. What we don't want. So we that pain versus pleasure. Harrison, what I don't want to happen is a, record, a showing request comes in at 1030. You leave for half hour, come back at 1115. Someone wants to see it at 12. You leave for till 1230. You come back. Someone wants to see it at five. Well, you're planning on five and an off uh, showing request comes in for 345. And you're like, yeah, here I go again. So just let's shorten. Even if it's not that 10 to four, like I said, we've done one to four, but two days, three days, almost like open houses. Mm -hmm. And it helps because, right, that person's coming in, there's already a showing. Where's that psychology of someone else already saw the house? Wait. And then someone's waiting for me to get out of the driveway and back out of here because they're going to see it. Yeah. People want what they can't have. And that drives the activity too. Sure. Or they see a bunch of business cards on, yeah. you know, so hey, that trick, like leave your business card. In the past, it could backfire, right? Well, these are all the people that showed my house and you didn't bring the buyer. What the heck is wrong with you? Um, now it's, no, look at all these cards and the other realtor and the buyers. Oh my God, like so-and-so's cards on here. Like they're going to make an offer. Like they're a pretty strong agent. You know, it's all that psychology um, of this. And again, I've got to get you the maximum exposure for your home in a window of time that you can accept. Maybe we put an offer deadline. Maybe we don't. We can start with not one. If it gets busy, then we can set one and just, it's, it's a game. Yep. Totally. And then when, so you get through all that multiple offers come in, yeah. what are the few things you're really focusing in to help the seller just understand and then eventually decide yep. which offer might be the best? Yep. So back to certainty price, what's the financing? Are they, are they strong? So not looking at the programs, looking at well, okay, the down payment, who is the pre-approval letter from, mm -hmm. who are they working with? So maybe a call to the lender to say, what can you tell me? Mm -hmm. Oh, they're definitely a great credit score. You know, they'll, you know, they're strong. Um, okay, great. Where's the close date? Are they flexible? Yep. We might need that flexibility. Earnest money. Mm -hmm. so these aren't in any particular order. Earnest money. The more 
I like to know like they're serious. Um, and then just any contingencies. So is there anything that could hold us up? So is the price just outrageous that we might not appraise? So we look to the appraisal gap, like Skylar said, their inspections, is it shortened or they, did they say, well, right, it's for information purposes only. I've seen that written into contracts. It's, it's for information purposes only a buyer and seller agree buyer will not negotiate on any items, uh, less than $10,000. Well, is that one item cumulative? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so some people have specified that, uh, and have said in their write up, maybe it's not in the offer. So technically it's not counted yet. There's agents who have sold their clients saying, Hey, they, they saw, we know the heating system, we've disclosed the roof. Yeah. We've right. Um, and kind of back into that, like what you see is what you get, you know, otherwise, you know, they're just doing it for just to feel good about the house. Yeah. Yeah. yeah makes sense. Okay. All right. So let's, let's go into some of these kind of larger trends that you were starting to get to where we, we know where the market is right now. You know, inventory is tight. Rates are volatile. Things are still moving. Um, is this normal? Is this what we're going to expect for the rest of the year? I, I don't think so. I mean, I think rates rates drop and we see a flurry of buyers that enter the market and just, right, there's no inventory. So they're just going to keep bidding up. But prices, I think, stabilize. And then there's going to be sort of that, I don't know if it's going to be the labor side, you know, unemployment, you know, some sort of world economic piece that's going to, you know, who the heck knows? Um, political. I mean, there's, there's so many things that you just don't know what could come up. I mean, we had like slight banking fiasco there for a moment. And then you kind of wonder like, what was the media doing to cover up something else that we should know about? Um, conspiracy theory there. Um, I just think at some point the buyers say, hey, we, we can't keep doing it. It's not 2020, 2021 again. We can't keep doing this and go yeah. up and up and up and up. Um, eventually something's going to come back. Um, rates aren't going to do it. Rates will come down and cause people to just jump back in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just keep being told by my mentor, like work your butt off through August and you can take a break in September. So something's coming in the fall. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's just going to be exhaustion like buyer sellers is like, all right, like what the heck, you know, <laughs> yeah, Skylar, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's hard, but I think the one thing that's contributing to a lot of this is Maine is such a desirable area. And sure. so many people are getting priced out in so many different markets that people just still think that Maine is very affordable. Right. right. So that's, I would say that that would be that other counter factor that's contributing to us not seeing a slowdown, right? Um, yeah. The more and more like Portland becomes on the map and the more and more like the coast of Maine, people are discovering it. And I would say that more, more than three quarters of the buyers that were pre-qualifying are out-of-state buyers. In, sure. one, in one week, I had seven from Colorado, and I was like, "What the heck is happening?" And where right. are all these people finding me that are all like in Colorado? It was like it was like a joke in our office. We're like, "Another person from Colorado? Like what the heck?" But the thing is, that Colorado is similar in a way to the weather in Maine. But Colorado yeah, people yeah. are getting so outpriced in Colorado that they're like, "I'm yeah, going to move sure. to Maine." Right? So the same thing. Like we saw such an influx of people because now so many people can work remotely. So if they can work remotely, they don't want to live in the city anymore. They want to go have a few acres in, in Maine. So, you know, right. 
So that's the piece that I think is like that variable that's just like clouded the crystal ball is like everybody can work remotely pretty much. Totally. So we're not like, oh, Maine, like we didn't have the the jobs, right? We don't, we don't have like huge employers. Yeah. We have a a handful, but they're not crazy. Yeah. We don't have like a, you know, a company that has 50,000 employees. No. Um, But people can work remotely. So I think there's going to be some sort of employment across the country that's going to cause everybody to just fear for their own job. Mm-hmm. They might still have it, but it's going to tighten the purse strings and be like, I think we're going to hold off. Yeah. And we've had how many people that are sitting on there, 2.75, 3% that like, I'm not selling because I'm going to enter the sevens. Right. But then we heard, well, if it's in the fives, I might sell because five's not that bad off of three. I always wanted a bigger home. Because um, the thing is, yeah, people are selling their house, their house that they have now at two or three yeah. percent, and they're like, yeah. "Yeah, I need a bigger house, but I, I can't even like, I can't even buy a house my price, mm-hmm. or you know, with that have that yeah. monthly payment at right. a smaller house, let alone a bigger house, you know." So that's the thing. They're like, yeah. "I want to have my payment at this. I can't even buy what I already have." Right. So that's kind of that mentality of like, when we see the prices, when we see the rates dip, then people are like, okay, now I feel good about it. Now I'm not feeling as scared about it because in this like 7% range, there's that like sense of fear, right? In the Mm -hmm. sense of high fours, low fives, people aren't as fearful. They're like, yeah, this is, I feel okay about this. So I think that that's what we're going to see come fall towards the end of the year is when we're, when we're expecting to see that drop. Um, yeah. but we'll, I think we'll see kind of an influx of the people we, I honestly, the last four years, October has been my biggest closing month, which is kind of weird mm. because off mark, it's kind of like an off, yeah. off time, but it's that time of all of those people that have been in the crazy rush of the spring and summer market. They're finally getting that opportunity, right? Yeah. They were every, on the sidelines. Everybody else that either didn't get under contract or anything, they kind of pulled back like, oh, I can't make the move now. My kids are in school. Oh, yeah. I missed that summer market. I'm going to hold back until next year. All those people are like, oh, here I am. I'm in, you know, I'm under contract and I'm closing in October. You know, all those people that have been sidelining through that crate, the, you know, the spring and summer market now get that opportunity. And as rates start to dip a little bit towards that time, I think that's going to happen again. Yeah. So on the on the rates front, Skylar, uh, obviously the latest inflation news sounds like it's promising. Things are going the right direction, but the Fed remains committed to getting inflation fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. in, until they do that, which it sounds like is probably later this year, do you expect rates to still be volatile kind of on a day to day basis? Or do we think at some point we're going to stabilize a little bit waiting for that shift? I hope <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. it's my life hard. Like if I'm like quoting rates all day, like to people, I'm like, yeah, so vote earlier. It's different now, you know, and but that's the sense of people there. People can't be lallygallying in with the rate or with the house offers. And that's what yeah. people and people are like, well, you're right. People are rushing me like I feel rushed. My agent's rushing me. I'm being rushed. No one's trying to rush you, right? Your agent's not trying to rush you. Your lender's not trying to rush you. They're just trying to set you up for success and, and set a realistic expectation that you have to move quickly. So that's so much more important to have your ducks in a row, right? Like if you're even thinking of buying or selling or anything in the next one, two, three, four, five months, now is the time to get ready for that so that you're not feeling rushed, right? Because those people are like, Hey, a property just came on the market and I, I want to make an offer right now. And uh, my agent told me I didn't get pre-qualified rate this second because offers are due at 12. Like, and it's 1130. Like that, those calls happen. Like reality. Oh, yeah. reality yeah. But then they're like, but everybody's rushing me to get the documents. And so I'm like, 
well, you, you're trying to make an offer. So the more prepared you are, the more you set yourself up, set up realistic expectations, the more you feel confident and already have those conversations and have a clear mindset, the more successful you're going to be in this market and the more prepared you're going to be and the more patience you're going to have. Like those are things that are really important right now. You have to have patience, you have to be prepared and you have to have the right team behind you. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And so before we wrap up, last question for both of you. Um, for somebody right now that's thinking, ah, I'm just going to wait. Like, I, I, I think things are going to get better. Rates are going to drop. Prices are going to drop. The market's going to crash. Whatever reasoning they might have. For somebody thinking, I'm going to wait, you know, what, how, do, how do you handle that? What, what is the explanation you give to somebody is why maybe waiting is not the best idea? Time is money. Um, you know, there's an opportunity cost on everything. Waiting could cost you thousands of dollars. Um, you know, you're waiting to save on a rate. Prices could go up. You could miss out on the house that checked all the boxes um, and you kind of overthink it. You can always refinance. That house may not come on the market ever again. Right. Um, and there's never like a perfect scenario. So it's, it's more, you know, how long are you going to be in a certain spot? You can't time the market. You can't guess. Um, if we could, we would all be multi, multi-millionaires. For sure. Um, yeah. I mean, time is money. So think about that. What's the cost of your thinking, your delay? It adds up. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Right. I mean, cause you could have bought a house a couple of years ago, right? You I wish I bought them in, all a couple of years ago. Could have bought a house in 2019 <laughs> and, um, you know, we made several hundred thousand dollars just yeah. doing podcasts all day. <laughs> what, how about you, Skylar? I would, I would say is that so is everybody else, right? Everybody's saying they're going to wait and that's, mm when the competition is really going to start, right? Like you think it's competitive now, you think it's competitive when rates are in the sevens, like wait until rates drop to the to five, then see how competitive it is. If you don't want to compete yeah. now, you're sure as heck not going to want to compete then because that, and that's the mentality you have to have is like, if you think it's too competitive now, it's going to be way more competitive when rates drop, which is what everyone in the world is waiting for. But also like, how much money are you paying in rent while you're waiting? You're paying somebody else's mortgage. Like you're not building your own equity. You might as well just light that money on fire because that's not helping yeah. you at all. That's what that's what waiting is doing. You're paying for someone else to live. You're paying for someone else to have a have a mortgage to build equity. And you're scared of competition. Then you shouldn't then then wait until it actually drops. Then you're really going to be yeah. scared of the yeah, right. You might want to wait five years. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. I've always been a firm believer in you know. If I don't know what the rules to the game are going to be in the future, but I know the rules to the game right now, I'd rather play the game right now no. um, than take my chances with down the road. So, no. um, all right. So, Skylar, if anybody, if if your answers today or or people think about being in the market, and they want to get in touch with you to talk a little bit more about you, yep. learn about what their options might be. What's the best way for folks to get in touch with you? Yeah, best way. I mean, call, email. I mean, super, super, super responsive on email. We also um, at on Sky Closes Vein on Instagram. We do a lot of videos. Like, even if you're just looking for more like information, kind of keep up on the market, know about new products, follow along on that because there's a lot um, on Sky Closes Vein on my Instagram. Just the pretty informative type of things. Um, but email would be best, um, definitely. So <clears throat> s welch at mainpointlending.com is how you reach me on email. Um, and that's it really. I mean, our turnaround times are so quickly. Like if you want to get pre-qualified today to make an offer tomorrow, you can, right? Like I'll be back to you in an hour, right? That's the reality of it. Awesome. All right. Awesome. Appreciate awesome. It. Well, thank you, Skylar of Main Point Lending for joining us on the Main Real Estate Show. You can follow us on the mainrealestateshow.com and wherever you download your podcasts. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.